What's up, everybody, and welcome back. It's another Thursday night here on Orange and Blue Things Season 2. That right there is Darren Meenan. What up? I'm Brian Ernie, and we have a very special guest with us tonight via Skype down from Port St. Lucie. It's going to be Steve Gelbs later on. But first, what's going on? Uh, enjoying this cold brewski. It's been yeah. a, quite a little As bit of I. a, of a long I. week, cheers so let's to cheers a, to that. A nice, uh, nice warm February Evening a cold here on Long beer Island. on a warm February. It's might snow in like I'm two rocking, days. I'm rocking my uh, Todd Frazier <laughs> piece right here. Yeah, and your, your Thank desk Thank you flare. very much, sir. Yes, and my desk flare is up. Thank you very much, by the way, for those who didn't see on social. Darren, with the help from Majestic, hooked it up. So your boy's got his very first Todd Frazier jersey. And it's got to be the first Todd Yeah, Frazier. he doesn't have his road jersey no. yet. So see? you have the first road authentic. He's not even down. He's going to camp tonight. Slash, he's getting there tomorrow because I saw he said goodbye You think he's watching kids. us on the plane? Well, he should be. Yeah, what's so, up, Todd? What, what up, up, Todd? What up, Todd? What up? <laughs> and uh, when you get down there and get your gear, just know that I have this first. All right. I feel like this is like our pitchers, our pitcher show. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the, a lot of the news has been coming out over the past few days. Obviously, pitchers and catchers reported on Monday, but there a lot of them were there like last week. But you know, the the spring training is in full swing. A lot of the position players will be there in the next couple of days. When do they actually have to report by? I think it is it tomorrow. Or I don't know. I, it might be or Monday maybe. I, I saw know. Reyes isn't there. He got a Rolls Royce for Valentine's Day. Yeah, what was going on there? Like, I don't know. It was in Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish. So I, you know, my dog doesn't either. I don't even have a dog. But Baxter, I could probably ask Baxter to help no, me out. But on Instagram, silly. does Instagram uh, translate? I think Twitter translates, right? There's a button like translate to English. I don't know. I don't know if Instagram does. Sometimes Twitter pops up with like translate from Haitian Creole. You know, <laughs> <to what I'm laughs> Facebook does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. but I think it said you know something very. So very there was long. some kind of car gifting. Car situation. gifted with a ribbon on it. All right. Nice Rolls Royce right. there. What'd you do for Valentine's Day? Anything? Uh, we went out last Saturday. Like Lawrence been Jonesing for sushi. Like at Aji Fifty Three. What up? Uh, <laughs> and uh, and we haven't gone. Cause, you know, she was pregnant. Where's that? And, there's one in Bayshore and there's one in Smithtown. Oh, cool. And uh, and we like we haven't been in like two years because she was pregnant, and then like we didn't get out forever because it's like the first year. So we did that early on Saturday, and then yesterday just kind of like we got our taxes done. So that was very, very romantic. <laughs> but but we did. We got like taken and like had kind That's of a cool. chill nights. So what about you guys? Uh, we went to well, since we're shilling for restaurants, we went to Painters. Oh, so cool. next time that you go to Ashi and I go to Painters, maybe we get like a free beer. Or there something. you go. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's out in like Brookhaven or something. I don't even know where it is. But cool. uh, my buddy bought a bar in Patchog, so we went there afterwards. Oh yeah, yeah. So we That's went there cool. to check it out. I used to work with him at Beach Bar. So shout out to uh, the Clifton. We're gonna name drop. It's like the name drop. Uh, name drop segment. show. Yeah, the, the, the free plug show. <laughs> yeah, don't so, yeah, get Good luck to my to buddy Brian. I don't know if he's watching, but yeah, shout out to the Clifton in Patchog. But uh, the Olympics are this week. Have you been watching it all? No. I feel like <laughs> is I don't that know bad? Just Am I a bad getting, American? No, I don't. I don't know if you're a bad American per se. I just feel like now with social media, like when we were younger, I feel like the Olympics were such a big deal, right, right. and a lot of it, like now, it's pre-taped or whatever. I think the snowboarding may have been live a couple nights ago. I watched uh, Sean White win his third gold. Yeah, uh, but and then, I'm and not then, a big Sean White fan. Well, I don't think there are many left after. Oh, uh, he's like dragging the the yeah, oh with everything his, that's going right, on. Right, 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 yeah, right, I mean, yeah. he called it gossip. I mean, obviously, it's not gossip. It's if there's not, truth yeah. behind it, but uh, I feel like when you're America's superstar, people just look the other way on some things. Unfortunately, unfortunately, but if you don't know what we're talking about, just Google Sean White. Google it. He also was dragging the American flag, and people gave him a little bit of a break, like very emotional moment. Maybe he he didn't realize it, but afterwards, you know, when he won the gold, the, his name and score came up. He was holding up the flag, but then he was dragging it behind him. He stepped on it for a second, which obviously you don't like to see. Yeah, but. You know, you can't really hold blame against them because who knows what's going through I was, your mind during, I was during that into, moment, you know? I wanted to get into the hockey, 
But then they blew a 2 nothing lead in the third period to freaking Slovenia in their first game. And I was like, all right, well, the, the whatever, Russia is going to win that. Or, sorry, the athletes from Russia. Yeah, I thought that was weird, too. Not weird, well, but like I was watching the other night, and they, they, they don't wear their colors or show the flag on, yeah, on the screen. Yeah, the, the doping scandal, so they have to compete under yeah, neutral I, flag. I, you know what it is? I, I feel like back in the day, like like I just said, social media, I feel like we used to be glued to the TV to watch the Olympics, and now mm. it's like I don't, couldn't really name anyone besides Sean White. or, or I'm into the know. summer. I used to be way more into the Winter Olympics, but now I'm into the Summer Olympics because Lauren used to swim. So she was a swimmer in high school and all that. So we watched like the trials for the swimming. Like last, the and for the sixteen games, it was like we sat down and we watched people like qualify for the Olympics. So I got like really into the swimming. But like now at this point with like the, the winter games, man, I don't know. Like, did you uh, see my it. video yesterday? Speaking of the Olympics, yes, I did. Well, let's, let's you know I did because I I got to see it before everybody. So uh, <laughs> this is one take. Uh, that's me cheering along with uh, with the ladies here, pretending that they're actually part of a Mets cheering section. Uh, a lot of yes. people really enjoyed this. It has 100,000 views, which is like the highest amount of views I've ever gotten in a video. Yeah. But I uh, don't expect to see this happening anytime soon at City Field. It was it was just a joke that like three people couldn't take. Ser- you know, take, well, some people take themselves way too seriously, especially on the Internet. But you brought up if Jimmy Kimmel makes a joke out of it, it's probably not that serious. It's probably Fair if you game. saw something like this on Saturday Night Live, you'd think it's hilarious. Also, you should know that the Washington Post talked to one of their reporters' mother is like speaks fluent Korean, so they had her translate a lot of the cheers. And they're not really political cheers. Look, I get the whole Korea situation. I'm well-versed in geopolitical affairs. I, I understand the deal. Uh, but a lot of the cheers are very innocuous, whether or not they're forced to do it or whatever because of Kim Jong-un in um in uh, North Korea is I, I don't know whatever I thought yeah. it was good little viral. That was cool. It was it was fun. I had a good time. I was sitting over here <laughs> rehearsing or uh, whatever. Anyway, if you want to give us a call, six three one three eight eight five one nine five is the number to dial. Talk about the Mets or whatever. Obviously, we haven't really talked about much Mets yet, but we will get there. We got Steve Gelbs coming in in a little bit. We have a bunch of topics to cover tonight. Um, but you did bring up the hockey in the Olympics and a totally unrelated thing. But I saw you tweeting this morning something about like billboards, and I I automatically felt. Like, oh, is <laughs> Gary and the boys back? And they're yeah, going to put out yeah. some billboards in front of yeah, City Field, yeah. uh, hoping that the Mets sell. But you, you know, you had a few. I think it was like three tweets back to back. And it ends up that like some Islanders fans are up in arms. You're big. You're a big Islanders fan. I'm trying yeah. to teach myself to be one. But yeah, uh, what's going on? So long story short, basically, not to bore the Mets fans out yeah. there. Yeah, well, it it. it Pulls it does it, tie it in a little it, bit. Yeah, it ties it in there. It's an so, orange and blue thing. It is. It's an orange <laughs> and blue thing. Uh, so essentially, um, some Islanders fans started a GoFundMe campaign uh, to buy billboards around Barclays Center in Brooklyn that said, Snow must go. They're trying to get Gar Snow, the general manager of the Islanders, fired. Um, why it took a turn for the weird was because they raised their $5,000 mark very quickly. And then I they can't decided, believe it's that cheap for a billboard. Right, yeah. And then they decided that everything that they raised over that, they were going to donate to Anders Lee, who's a winger for the Islanders, one of their better players. Uh, they were going to donate to his uh, Can Jam, his Jam Cancer in a Can uh, pediatric cancer charity event, which is happening this Monday at Barclays Center. Uh, so Anders Lee, who is employed by the Islanders, the, his general manager is Gar Snow. He's the guy who drafted him, said, I, you know, I can't accept this. Yeah, I can't accept this donation. Yeah. You know, he handled it beautifully, I thought. Um, it, look, it was just, like, ill-advised to me. Like, 
once you raise the $5,000 for the billboard, I get that they were trying to do something good and it was like, okay, well now we're going to take the overrun and we're going to do something good with it to charity. But then you should sort of have realized that like, oh shoot, we're prioritizing this billboard over raising money for like a charity. Yeah. And people thought that that wasn't fair that I, that I put it like that, but they ju- they made that juxtaposition by themselves because they said like, look, we raised $5,000 for a billboard. Now we're going to give the rest the run over. My big problem is is that billboards, whether it's You Gotta Leave to, you know, the Wilpons and the Cats family, whether it's Snow Must Go, whether it's Fire Idzik on a plane over Jets Camp, whether it's the banner about the Giants in the 80s that flew over the Meadowlands, it's not – it doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. My point is strictly like, look, spend your money on what you want to spend your money on. By all means, I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. But if you wake up in the morning and say, like, I'm going to make a difference in the world today. Like, I'm going to donate to a cause that I feel passionately about. Well, if the sports team is the first thing that pops in your head, you probably have your priorities a little out of whack. Because there are so many small things we can do. Look, one donation is not going to cure pediatric cancer. One donation is not going to, you know, solve the AIDS crisis in Africa or end, you know, world hunger or whatever. But you can buy a sandwich for a guy who obviously slept on the street last night. You can, you know, get a bunch of DVDs and bring them into a children's hospital for, you know, kids who've been watching the same thing on repeat or whatever and can't leave. You can do all kinds of things with just a small amount of money. And, uh, and honestly, getting the Islanders to change their general manager or the Mets to change their ownership or whatever – it's, you're not going to accomplish the goal. You're throwing good money after bad, and honestly, I think it's just in it's it's poor judgment. Well, there you go. Uh, no, I agree with you. I, no, I agree with you. And my you, you opinion, know what? Like but... we were kind of saying the same thing during the whole Mets billboard stuff and whatever. I mean, yeah, you're you... not going to force somebody to sell a baseball team. It'd be like <laughs> if I was like, "Look, man, I'm going to stand outside your house every single day because I think I want you to move to my town. I'm going to make a sign and it's going to say, Darren must sell this house and stand outside your house. <laughs> if you don't want to move, why the hell? What's that? What is me standing outside with a sign going to do? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> It's right. the same thing. So let's get into some baseball talk. Obviously, the Mets are down in spring training. Mickey Calloway, our boy Mickey Calloway, who uh, was nice enough to grace us with his presence during that blizzard uh, via Skype from City Field. This is his first chance to sit down with the media pretty much yeah. every day. And uh, we're seeing that he has quite a sense of humor, but he also is talking in baseball terms. Yes. And uh, some people don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I haven't thought it out uh, the right way, that can definitely be a risk. Um, we're going to be very diligent about that. Um, dry humping guys is something that I feel very strongly about. And <laughs> it, that's a lot of wear and tear that's needless. So dry humping guys <laughs> is a lot of wear and tear that's Something needless. Very strongly. About. So, you know, for someone who doesn't play yeah. or isn't around the, the, a baseball team <laughs> to know what dry humping means in baseball terminology, why don't you explain it? Because some people were very confused yesterday by what that means. Sure. Dry humping is the act of getting a reliever up. So getting a reliever warmed up in the bullpen and then not putting him in the game. And then sitting him back down and then warming him up again. Dry humping is essentially. You were saying that too because that adds to your pitch count. So like that, that's a lot of wear and tear in your arms. Of course. Once you're up, once the reliever gets up, they want to get in, right? Much like dry humping. Once you're up, <laughs> you want to get in. So 
Long story short, and Carl, I'm sorry if you're listening or if your kids are listening this week. Oh, but, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you know, that is that. Look, baseball, like a baseball clubhouse, baseball uh, dugout. It's it's a demented place. We talked to Mickey about how he put how Tito put his chaw and yeah, his yeah, double yeah, gum yeah, yeah, in the yeah, sideline yeah. reporters. Cup and like it's just it's it's silliness and you come up with these ridiculous things like what's a duck snort like you know everybody knows if you've been around baseball you know it's a little dinker a little blooper you know like right, right, right. but like <laughs> you say a duck snort to somebody on the street and they're like what the hell are you talking about it's the same thing so dry humping would be to get a reliever warmed up just without getting him just in the, the game yes all right so uh, I, I'm liking him so far I mean uh, obviously yeah. you know you said during his first press conference you're ready to run through a freaking wall for the guy yeah. but I, I you know what it is I talked to I don't even know who I was saying this to last night I feel like the the team in general seems a bit looser mm. and you know any situation you put yourself in but we talked about that with Sarone about this show like I felt like re-energized that we're doing something different with the seven line um, even if the faces that haven't changed down at spring training you know quite a few have uh, with the management and, the, and some new players but the guys, for them, it's a, a fresh start. It's like uh, being in a new relationship, getting a new job, starting yeah. something different. And I like it. And I feel like everyone seems to be a little bit uh, at ease and also very confident. I mean, I, we've heard it last week. We heard Syndergaard say that um, they're a force to be reckoned with. with yeah, today, he said again, if everyone's healthy, you know, the sky's the limit, which is great. But uh, what, are you, what are you feeling so far out of camp? I'm feeling the exact same way, man. I, I think... I, and I don't want to seem like I'm basking too much in a glow of something that hasn't quite happened yet, which is, you know, they, this they, this group hasn't won a baseball game yet. That being said, uh, first of all, spring training's for optimism. So I think it's great to be optimistic this time of year because this is what it's for. If you if every look, every team is not going to contend. That's very clear. There are a lot of half the teams in Major League Baseball aren't really trying to even contend. So if you're not going to be optimistic on February 15th, when the hell are you going to be optimistic about baseball season? Um, so I love it. It's obvious that Mickey is a huge divestiture from Terry Collins and not that Terry was bad or whatever. I'm, I'm not bad mouthing him. It's just obviously a different culture. And that's something that we're going to talk to Steve about later. Um, but you know what I love too is, and we'll get to the polls that you pulled up here in a second, but what I loved was Dave Island who has won two world championships, one with the Yankees in 2009, one obviously with the Royals in 2015. And he said, and you, you know, you, you hashtag that PMA, but I, I love that where it's like, why shouldn't we hear all the time in 2015, the sky was the limit for these guys and they went to the world series. and It's been downhill since why isn't the sky still the limit? Exactly. These guys are still just as talented. They're still just as pretty much as young. I mean, it's not like any of them are, are 35 years old. There's no reason that they can't go out and still pitch the team. Remember that the Giants won three out of five world championships basically by having very good starting pitching, and it's an offensive team that was all right. Yeah. You know, Buster Posey and some other pieces, but nothing out of the ordinary here. And it's with the Mets in 2015, and they had no offense until the end of July. So now you have a pretty decent offense, a pitching staff that if it's healthy, look, I mean, I think they could surprise a lot of people. And I, I said on the blog earlier this week, I, I think that the volatility around the pitching makes them the hardest to predict team in all of baseball. But what you're hearing from the coaches so far, it makes me far more encouraged that they're going to exceed expectations than fall short of them. 
Puma put out a tweet today, and he said, like, Harvey doesn't want to answer any questions about last year. He said uh, he made some mistakes and whatever, the passes in the past. And I re- replied to him and said, good, move on. Like, it's a new season. Harvey knows he screwed up last mm-hmm. year. Clearly he knows he screwed up last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a walk year for him, and I think that if all the pieces click – we're in for a wild ride this summer. But now you know I will, what? The I past just, in the past, it's yeah. over. You know, and don't bring up the Harvey shit anymore. One quickly thing that I would like to say in that is what I was very encouraged about was that Dave Island said he's noticed something mechanical. Because with Matt, we've always talked about, and you hear it, fans tell me all the time, we've talked about it, it's mental, He's it's a physical thing, he's never going to be healthy again. No, it's between his ears, he lost his confidence. I've even said, I'm tired of seeing him moping around the mound, I don't want to see that. Well, I like that Dave Island says, no, I see something mechanical that he's overcompensating for health and he got into bad habits and I can fix that. Well, and, let's hope, you know, and and I or we can at least try to fix it. And he was he didn't go Rick Peterson on us and say he's going <laughs> to fix it in 15 minutes. But I liked that it was like, OK, this guy has something mechanically that we can fine tune. It's not just about getting him a psychologist or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are going to get to some polls here, but also give us a call, 631-388-5195. We're going to have Gelbs on with us in just a matter of minutes. If you want to actually be on the phone with Gelbs, if you want to, if you have a question specifically for him, the next person that gets through will be on the line with Gelbs just in a little bit. Also, share the show at the end, as we always do. We are going to pick someone out to win some free stuff. Um, we'll probably just do a gift card like we did last week. Did we ever send the gift card to uh, Slade? Probably not. I sent him a T-shirt. Oh, you did? Yeah. Cool. So Slade got a T-shirt. T- today we're going to do a gift card. Okay, cool. So you get to just decide on what you want. I, so, was I wrong? I don't know. Maybe. But anyway, so we got some polls <laughs> here. Free stuff. What does he care? <laughs> I like to do polls each week. Uh, gets the fans involved. If you don't follow our Twitter account, it's orange blue thing. Uh, a couple things here that I put up, uh, different polls. And I, I feel like there's nothing wrong with a little competition. And obviously yeah. these guys are competing against themselves and each other every day. They want they want to win. So uh, maybe we'll do this each week. But pick, pick a couple players and do some stat comparisons here. So I asked the fans, about 1,000 fans voted on each of these. But it was uh, Syndergaard and DeGrom head-to-head. Who will have more wins in 2018? Uh, DeGrom by 63%. Who will have the lower ERA in 2018? DeGrom by 67%. And who will have more strikeouts in 2018? And Syndergaard actually won that one with 73%. Um, I thought it might have been right around 50-50 for all of them, but DeGrom almost with the clean sweep besides the strikeouts. Um, did actually get a tweet from someone, and they looked up the actual what fantasy projections is saying. For Noah... They're projecting 11-9, 199 strikeouts, and a 275 ERA. And for Jacob, a 12-9 uh, record, 202 strikeouts, and .322 ERA. So pretty, three, pretty close. 3.22 three, three ERA. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry about that. If he pitched to a point three, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ERA, I'm sorry. we'd, two be, point seven, we'd yeah. be doing fine. Yeah, yeah, 2.75 <laughs> and, and um, 3.22. Yeah, and look, uh, what I like about this is I like that you picked very – kind of random categories, right? Because with strikeouts, it's all about if they're both healthy, I think Noah's going to strike more guys out. Um, a lower ERA? I don't know. I mean, Syndergaard pitches to less contact. So maybe Syndergaard... I voted for Syndergaard for a lower ERA and for more strikeouts. But wins, as we know, is completely predicated on who gets uh, you know, the more run support and a lot of luck. Um, that you know, so who knows? I, I have no idea. I did vote for Degrom on more wins just because I don't know. Maybe that's the projections are off by one. Plus, you know, you know what? what? Plus, you know what? It, a lot of what a lot of it boils down to is who they're going to face. 
because whoever starts opening day for the first month is going to be faced up, uh, going to be matched up against the other team's ace. So if you have Syndergaard start on opening day, which I don't think they will this year, he's going to be facing not only the ace for St. Louis right out of the shoot, but he's going to be on down the line every five days, going to be facing the ace for a month until those off days catch up. Um, I think Jake will be the opening day starter, in my personal opinion. So I think he'll have maybe a little bit of a harder task maybe getting the run support early in the season uh, for that reason because the Mets are going to be facing aces on the days that Jake initially goes. We are going to get Steve on the line in just a couple seconds. If you want to chat with Steve or us, the phone number is 631-388-5195. While we wait for him to get on the line, also share the show. Uh, Just a reminder, tomorrow... Our next outing goes up on Mets.com slash the Seven Line Army. It is for the game on June 2nd against the Cubs. It's also batting practice pullover day, which what do you, what do you think that is? is it, it can't be a long sleeve giving it away in June, right? Maybe it's yeah, the uh, pullover like short sleeve. Sort of like that three-quarter three that they're wearing. In I asked the training? Mets. They don't have the mock-up of it yet, but whatever. Batting practice pullover, first 15,000 fans. Um, check it out tomorrow, Mets.com slash the Seven Line Army. It's 77 bucks. We are going to pregame first. It's the shirt, uh, the jersey, the ticket. And this batting practice uh, giveaway. So let's get Gelbzy. Is it Gelbzy? Can we call him that? Sure, you can call him that. <laughs> I don't have enough clout to call him that yet. We're going to get Gelbs on the line here. What's up, buddy? Boys! What's, going on? <laughs> What's up? He just called you Gelbzy, by the way. Is that so. allowed? And it's fun. No, we're, I mean, we're at that point. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's welcome in tonight's guest. He's been the full-time field reporter for SNY's Mets coverage since 2015. In addition to the game's broadcast, you can catch him off with his spring training coverage from Port St. Lucie on Mets Hot Stove. He's our buddy Steve Gelbs. What's up, man? What's going on? Guys, I want to start off with something really serious. And, yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. But I was unaware until like a half hour ago. No, maybe an hour and a half ago, I should say, that I needed headphones like this. <laughs> I had these big, bulky headphones. So I had to go out, buy some. Those didn't work. I needed to borrow from James Wagner, ultimately. So uh... these are his. But do I expense the headphones that I did buy and that are trash oh, to yeah. you guys? Yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let, I'll pay you back on uh, next Friday when you come bowling with us. Yeah. All right, fantastic. We can expense anything. The IRS is so gutted, they, they won't even notice. <laughs> you know, it would be cool if you did it like Rain Delay Theater and you had, like, the squad behind you on the couch. You know, that'd be pretty cool. But uh, anyway, listen. Everybody's leaving, man. Kariga's gone. It's, it's dissipating. It is. But you're still here, so we, we still got Gelbsy, so that's great. We still got so listen, no judgment here, but we got to start off because we ask all of the local guests that come on our show. Uh, did you grow up a Mets fan? If you didn't, totally cool. But who did you cheer for as a kid? Yeah, guys, it's been fun. All right? So- <laughs> <laughs> we uh, will hold it against I- you. Can't believe I'm admitting this. I, I grew up a Yankee fan. That's okay. Um, That's all right. And actually, it did. Funny story about that. It it's out there already. Uh, when I got the job, the post Steve Sturb- Steve Steve Serby of the Post did a Q and A, and I knew he was going to ask that question. And I said to our PR guy, I was like, "Listen, I don't think I should lie. Do you want me to lie? I mean, do you need me to lie here?" He was like, "No, no, no. Tell him the truth. Get it out there. The worst thing that could happen." is you say you grew up a Mets fan, and then someone finds a picture of you wearing a Yankees hat or something from when you were 15. But, <laughs> um, but no, I grew up a Yankee fan, but I will say this. You know, my dad, like, we were big sports fans, but, but huge baseball fans. And so I probably went to as many Mets games at Shea as I did go to Yankees games. We just, I mean, whenever one of them was home, we'd go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're never home at the same time, and, and so I went to, to equal amounts. So where'd you grow up, in Jersey? No, I grew up in Connecticut. I grew up, I was born in Queens, but I grew up in Connecticut. All right, so Steve, 
I know you're also a big Rangers fan. And yeah, I'm surprised in sp- you're talking. I was going to say, in spite of that, I like you anyway. All right. Um, but in a way, that fandom actually uh, made you decide to get into broadcasting. You got to tell us that story. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just mentioned my dad, but uh, when I was seven, the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. And I had a, a front row view of it because my dad was actually the physical therapist for that team. So he was on the bench when they won the Cup. He was, I mean, all those pictures. My dad's standing right right there on the bench next to Keenan and Dick Todd and all those guys. Um, so, you know, from my vantage point, that was really my first sports memory, you know, this huge moment. And getting to witness it, front row seat, but also getting to witness my dad really being a part of it, it was in that moment. I mean, I remember distinctly saying, this is what I want to do for a living. I want to get paid to be at these moments somehow. And so really from the time I was seven, it was all about, I mean, maybe it was about being a professional hockey player, baseball player, but by the time I was eight, that was pretty evident that wasn't going to be the case. So um, it was the next best thing was was getting paid to, to be a broadcaster. And so I pretty much pursued it straight line right from there. Um, and I really think just the fact that I saw, you know, so many people say, ah, oh, you're never going to get that job. And that's, I mean, who everybody wants to be a sportscaster who actually ends up being one. Mm-hmm. I witnessed my dad get to be a part of something like that. So it always seemed real to me. Uh, so that was really the starting point. So as everyone knows, obviously you took over for KB, who was and is uh, still very much beloved by this fan base. So that's probably no. Like him? No, no, we liked him. He was pretty cool. No, the pe- people liked Kevin. Yeah, obviously. people did. I'm sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure you heard when you got here, right? Yeah, no, no, no once or twice. <laughs> so what was, that, what was that like for you? Because obviously, um, you know, what was the approach when you got started? And, and was KB, uh, was he instrumental in maybe helping you get your foot, not get your foot in the door, but get acclimated to this fan base? No, yeah, 100%. And you guys, I mean, listen, you guys know KB. He is, he is the best. He is literally one of the best people I know. And I could not have asked for anybody um, better in terms of helping with this transition. And even now, I mean, he's still, you know, we'll check in. Hey, how's spring training going? I mean, he, he's that type of guy. Um, but I do remember distinctly when I came down in 2014, he was starting to do some of that Fox stuff. And so I was filling in. I did, I think, 55 games in 2014. And so I came down to spring training and we went out to dinner and he was like, listen, you know, he's, he's running me through all the, the things that I need to know. And he says, listen. They are not going to like you right away. <laughs> He's like, I, listen, I took over for Chris Cotter after one year, and I remember those first few months, everyone's like, where's Cotter, where's Cotter, where's Cotter? And it really affected me. So my advice to you, I've been here eight years. You know, Obviously, um, I've made a connection with the fan base. Just ignore social media for like two months. Don't, don't look at it. Don't pay attention. And so clearly I took his advice to heart, and my first game, uh, my first ever hit, which I did about Jay Bruce on the Reds, actually. But my first ever hit, I was like, wow, that I thought that went pretty well. And the first thing I did was look at Twitter, and it was like a barrage. I mean, I was I was <laughs> Who is this idiot? Get rid of this guy. Oh, my God. This is, I, need to, I need to get out of City Field right now. Um, so, you know, initially it was like, okay, listen to Kevin. But as time went on, you know, especially in 2015, you just you realize that, hey, Kevin was great because Kev was Kev. And I can't try and, A, take the baton right away and be at the point he was at eight years in. Um, And I also can't try and be Kevin. I've got to be me. And so once you kind of get past that, um, you know, then then you do your thing. And I think obviously in 2015, too, the type of run that they had, 
Um, it was so exciting. You're so in it on a day in day out basis that, that we kind of went from there. And so now I think, uh, you know, I think, I mean, are, are we past it or are you guys? No, yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say, I think you've created, uh, like, I think you've been yourself. I think you, you've created and carved out a nice of your own identity, um, which is no easy task. I mean, people don't realize how hard it is to make that look easy. And yeah. I think, I think we've gotten past it, especially because, you help break the KB curse. You know that. <laughs> All right. So for well, people, I mean, honestly, the real way I got past. Well, that's that's the whole reason. thing. So, I am the reason. Yeah. So <laughs> for the for the for the uninitiated, so Chris Cotter was the sideline reporter, the field reporter in 2006, SNY's first year. They obviously went to the NLCS. Kevin. 07 to 14, no playoffs. <laughs> First year, Steve's here. They win the pennant. They go to the World Series. Um, you you touched on it before about that season, how incredible it was. Is there one moment that stands out from that incredible run that they had to the World Series that year? You know, I mean, there were so many moments. There were so many moments. And it's easy. The Flores one is so easy to say, yeah. uh, especially because just a little insight into to my vantage point there. Wayne and I were standing right behind home plate like we do in case of a walk-off, ready to go on the field and, and do the post-game interview. And it had been a while since he had hit a home run. And literally the pitch before he hit that home run, uh, we turned to each other. and I'll, I'll say I said it. It was one of us. But we turned to each other and we were like, hey, wouldn't this be the time to do it? Yeah. And boom. And it was all – I mean, you couldn't believe it. So the Flores home run was surreal, but that's that's the easy answer. I mean, the Cespedes – um, it wasn't a moment, but the way that he played down the stretch there was incredible. David Wright, that home run in Game 3, was was pretty magical. But for me, and this is just kind of a visceral thing, the one the one day that always stands out is Game 5 in L.A. Yeah. Um, it, it's Jacob DeGrasse. I mean, that, that was one of the grittiest athletic performances I have ever seen in any sport, what he was able to do. Um, you know, the way that Murphy played in, the, in those playoffs, but in that game – um, you know, the heads up base, right? Everything about it. And then being in that clubhouse with them celebrating after the game, being on the team playing with them celebrating, coming back to New York. And I remember when we landed back in New York, it was probably 6, 7 a.m. Basically, everybody from JFK was standing there waiting for the plane to land and, and they were clapping. And then we got on the buses, got back to City Field. There were probably 200 fans waiting at City Field. That whole experience always sticks with me. And whenever I go into Dodger Stadium now, it feels different. It just it, it feels different. It's not the same as going into to Wrigley Field because even though they made the World Series after sweeping the Cubs, it was it was almost a foregone conclusion at that point. It just it felt different than Game Five in L.A. So uh, one day, one moment, that was probably the one. I mean, it's crazy too because obviously you, you know your first year and, and to have all these huge, huge moments, and you're the guy that's that's seeing them in the locker room, and you're you're right there. You got the first, you're the first one out there with the microphone. You got the first crack at the questions. You got the champagne going everywhere. It's got to be insane. Uh, you know, yeah. obviously you're a professional, but to be thrown kind of like to the wolves, like do you ever kind of grasp like the cameras are on, you got the mic, you're talking to David Wright, and like the pressure's on, or is it kind of like a very relaxed? Is it relaxed for you? You know what I'll say. So. Before they clinched in Cincinnati, I was I was definitely nervous. I mean, I, I had I had probably four or five pages of notes, seven to ten questions for each guy when they inevitably did it, and I I understood the magnitude of what that moment was. I understood how long it had been, um, and I wanted to make sure to do it justice. And then the second that they won, and the second you're in there and talking to these guys, 
it all goes out the window. Yeah. It's all emotion. It's all um, the the relationship that you've built over the year, or even when they clinched in Philly the year after over the years. Uh, it's critical, and so I think, at least from my perspective, how I approach things, especially after that one in Cincinnati. I want to be as real as possible and as authentic as possible. That's my job, to bring the authenticity of the moment to the fans. And so I ask the questions that feel right, and I listen to the answers, and I follow up in that way. And I think that's the best way to do it. You prepare, you have thoughts in advance, but um, you know when you're standing there in front of David Wright and you realize all that he's gone through to get back here and, and how much he trusted this organization um, to get to that moment, you ask that question. I mean, that's the question. You know what I mean? And, and you and you go from there. And that, that's your uh, default photo on uh, Twitter also. You, yeah, you I'm, and DW. I mean, I'm thinking it's time to change it, but it's hard to pull the trigger. Hopefully this October we can change it in a, <laughs> in a similar yet different and Those one. Those situations actually yeah. led to some amazing uh, GIFs, GIFs, whatever you want to call it, with uh, Jay <laughs> yeah. Bruce not knowing where he was behind you. <laughs> I'll probably pop that in when I do the replay here for some cut tomorrow. But, yeah, anyway, so... Uh, Bartolo pouring full champagne down my back. <laughs> yeah. interview with David Wright. Yeah. It's like uh, Bruce just had his first beer, and he was, like, confused. Like, where am I? But, anyway, um, so last year you did have a moment that actually took the world by storm, the Internet world by storm. It went everywhere. Uh, Sports Illustrated, all that. The uh, barehanded catch in Houston. So is that a moment that, like, one day you're like, I want to catch a foul ball. Like, have you ever caught a foul ball, or was that like the first no. one? You didn't skip no, a beat, I, dude. I mean, listen. I actually the closest I've ever come to catching a foul ball was when I was at Shea. I was probably like 12 years old, and I was sitting in these seats, and the section next to us kind of dissipated. And I was like to my family, I'm like, "Hey, let's move down a couple of rows. We'll go to that next section." And like the next batter hit a foul ball into the seats we were just sitting in. So that was the closest I'd ever come. But no, I, I was like petrified of the potential of a foul ball coming to me at some point while I was doing a report or not even doing a report, just sitting there watching the game. Everybody down in that camera well for the last few years, it's been a constant topic of conversation. The, uh, the uh, authenticators like, hey, if a foul ball comes your way, the worst thing that could happen is you go to grab it and you miss it and that thing goes viral. I, it's like <laughs> I hadn't even considered that I would catch it. You know what I mean? Like I hadn't even considered – the positive of it. And so we're in Houston. I'm telling that story. And I mean, listen, the, the stories that we were telling in that, in, in that game and the story that I was telling in that moment um, kind of made the catch secondary for me. Like I, I didn't want to even acknowledge it, but I remember almost in slow motion, that ball coming to me. And then it's, it's almost like I blacked out after that. Everybody on, on Twitter and every, Oh, that was so smooth. Look at the way that guy just kept going. I have no recollection of doing anything. Like, I don't remember throwing the ball into the stands. All I remember is that people were cheering behind me, and I felt that I had to acknowledge, because I wasn't actually on camera when I caught it. I felt that I just had to acknowledge, hey, guys, I caught the baseball. That's why everyone's cheering behind me. Unbelievable. But, um, but, but, you know, I mean, it was it was one of those, like, hey, once-in-a-lifetime type moments for me uh, where it went well, and now, honestly – it can only go downhill. There's no way. Like, obviously now another foul ball is going to come my way and I'm going to look like a moron. It's going to hit me in the face or something like that. And then it'll be so much worse. Darren Meenan and Brian Ernie joined by SNY Steve Gelbs. Um, let's get into this year uh, and this year's team. Uh, you're down in camp right now. And I have to ask you about the vibe because Darren and I were talking about that before we got you on. 
Um, it obviously seems like this is Mickey Calloway's camp, um, and it and it feels different, at least to us from uh, from up here. Um, ton of new voices down there, not only just Mickey, but Dave Island, Gary DeSarcina, Ruben Amaro Jr. Um, just how different is it down there, and how different does the complex feel from Terry's tenure? Uh, I was listening to you guys before I came on, and, I mean, you really kind of hit the nail on the head with this one. It was... It's almost like you've been here, actually. It it, it does. It feels very different. And I don't want to take anything away from Terry because uh, I think Terry was great for this team in a lot of respects. And, um, you know, I think sometimes he, he got rightly criticized and sometimes it, it was unjustly criticized. But at some point in time, everyone runs their course. And I think that's really what happened with Terry Collins. And the difference to me, if I were to kind of break it down and this just a couple of days in it's really old school versus new school you know Terry Collins was that old school baseball man and he wasn't always going to be the player's best friend and he wasn't going to sit there and communicate every little detail about what he was thinking to each player um that's something that at least early on it seems like Mickey Calloway does Mickey Calloway is is a lot closer in age to these guys um and I think he's he's maybe got a better understanding of the the new age type of baseball player that maybe does need a little bit more than guys in the past and so I do feel a looseness around the clubhouse um I was talking to Brandon Nimmo actually today just as an example of the level of communication that um that Mickey Calloway is giving to certain players you know Calloway wants Nimmo to get better against lefties and so he brought him in and he said listen uh when we're playing some games here spring training games, I might send you over to the minor league complex when they're facing, you know, five lefties over there. And I might want you to get a bunch of at bats over on that end. And that's the reason why just I'm doing, I'm letting you know this right now, which is different. I think than a lot of managers, especially in the old school who you might just show up to the park and one day you find out, Hey, I'm not in the lineup and I'm at minor league camp. What, what am I doing? What's wrong? What am I doing? So, you know, that level of communication is, is a, a big part of Mickey Calloway here early on. And I think the players are taken to it. And the vibe around camp, you know, it's it's hard. You don't want to you don't want to jump to major conclusions without seeing anything actually on the field. But it's hard not to be really intrigued and not buy in to what you're hearing from him so far. Besides all that, have you noticed any kind of differences? I know you just said you've only been there a couple days, but as far as like the preparation, like these guys getting ready, throwing bullpens and stuff like that, have you noticed any changes maybe from Terry's regime to now, like how these guys are kind of preparing yeah. for the year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I know you guys have read about it, but the the efficiency is is big and it's very different. Um, I mean, in the past, we'd probably get to the clubhouse around like 8 a.m. and it would be open to the media from 8 to 9. Then they'd go out and stretch. And they'd be out there until probably 12.30. And you'd see pitchers that they'd be in these, these big groups and they'd do pitcher fielding practice for, I mean, I'd guess like a half hour, 45 minutes, maybe a little more. And then they'd go out and they'd throw um, their sides. And, and, and people wouldn't be back in until like 12.30. With Mickey, it's, first of all, the groups are, are much smaller. So so far, we've seen like one group, the entire group is just Matt Harvey, Jerry Blevins, Jacob DeGrom, right? So you're getting more in in a shorter amount of time. Um, so they're going out there. They're, they're more efficient with their time, but it's also everything is shortened. So everything's a little later. Clubhouse doesn't open for us to come in as the media until 9.10. They're out on the field by 10 a.m. And they're pretty much back in by like 11.15, 11.30. And so 
Um, you know, I, I think it's about smarter work and not not killing these guys early on, and that's been the most noticeable difference by far. But I, again, even talking to some players, you talk about um, what they're doing differently preparation wise. Uh, they're being weighed before they go in, uh, before they go out on the field, and then when they come back in, so that they can see how much water weight they lost and what they need to replenish. So, like, there's a lot more of the paying attention to the the details of of performance and um, sports science that uh, the Mets in general are going towards, and certainly Mickey Calloway is very into. I saw something yesterday, not to cut you off, Brian, but uh, something I don't know if it was just like a promotional thing for Gatorade, but they were testing Matt Harvey's arm sweat. For some Gatorade oh, thing. Yeah, like some lady was like walking up to Harvey with like a swab to like check his arm sweat. <laughs> whatever they can do, man. Yeah. That's, whatever they can do, that's music to my ears. Music <laughs> to a lot of Mets fans' ears. Um, there are a few position battles going on down there right now, Steve. Uh, center field platoon. You mentioned Brandon Nimmo before. Uh, while Conforto's out, he's going to factor in out there along with Juan Ligaris. The first base job we've heard a lot about, catching competition. Which one are you keeping the closest eye on? I would say first base, and I don't even say that thinking that that Adrian Gonzalez and Dominic Smith right now is a real competition. I think the plan is for Adrian Gonzalez to be the first baseman for this team, um, at least to start. But Dominic Smith looks spectacular. I mean, really, like last year we spoke to him and he talked about how he had lost some weight and, um, you know, got into much better shape. But he still didn't look like he was in excellent condition. You know, this year he looks like he is a, a like a really well conditioned athlete. I mean, he really does look noticeably different. I would guess. I didn't ask him specifically uh, when I spoke with him today, but I would guess he's lost like thirty pounds, thirty five yeah. pounds. I mean, it's it, it's really significant. So I think I think he's taken a lot of what happened last year to heart and has really applied himself this offseason. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be enough to push them at this point, but I'm really curious to see what he does. That's my, you know, the other battles, center field, I'm, I'm not as intrigued by because I think you're going to end up with a platoon with Nemo and Ligaris, and then it's Conforto's job. You know what I mean? So um, so I, I'm not, I don't really see any other potential strong battle other than, Dom Smith, and and more so in the sense of maybe he pushes them to start considering him earlier on this season. You know, you know. Besides the whole Dom Smith thing, and I, you know, you always hear best shape of their lives when they come down to spring training, yeah. or best shape of their career, whatever. I've heard nice things or good things about Lagaris as well. Looks like he's in great shape. But is there one guy maybe besides them that's impressed you the most? I know you've only been there a couple of days, but you think there's someone that maybe have has turned the page on their fitness, or they just look so good so far this this yeah, uh, spring training? Yeah, I mean, listen, those two guys that you mentioned, Dom Smith and Juan Lagaris, it's noticeable. I mean, Lagaris has looked like he's been in pretty good shape the last couple of years, but but he's, I mean, he looks. He looks really strong right now. I'm more curious to see if this work with the the um, specialist out in California has really changed anything for Lagares because his hard hit ball rate was was great last year and and he just was hitting it right at people and I think yeah. he finally realized in this day and age you hit the ball on the ground it's an out so um, that is the most intriguing thing to me in terms of a couple other guys I think Noah looks a little leaner this year. Um, you know, he, he still is huge, but he looks a little less bulky, which I think is a good sign if you're a Mets fan. Um, and then less in the look, but more in just the way he's carrying himself and, and, and speaking with him is Brandon Nimmo. Um, 
I think last season, those last two months did a lot for his confidence. And I think, again, I spent a lot of time with him today and he is someone that, you know, he, he, it took a while for him to get up here and he fought and he fought and he, he saw, you know, he knew who was drafted right behind him. And, and there were times where he's like, man, am I, you know, did they reach for me? Is this, is this not going to happen? Um, but I think when he finally got up here and got the consistent playing time, he didn't just prove to the Mets that he belonged here, but he proved to himself. And so I think he's much more confident this season in what he can do. And the fact that the Mets were open about not wanting to trade him for, you know, uh, Harrison or maybe even a McCutcheon, um, that meant a lot to him. And so uh, that's someone that I would keep an eye on, too. You know, Steve, I have to just tell you this quickly. Uh, Brandon Nimmo is a guy that I'm actually really, really interested in. We had him on the show a few weeks ago. And I, I just have to read these numbers for you because it's, it's crazy to me. Um, he has slashed in his career uh, 264, 367 on base percentage so far. And check these out as a pinch hitter. Ready? I think this is crazy. 34 career plate appearances as a pinch hitter. 393, 500, 464. So he's gotten on half the time as pinch hitter. That's so impressive for a young player. And yeah. I really think that with, with their lack of leadoff options, which we'll get to in a second, uh, I think he could make a huge impact. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens there. Yeah, um, not, to, not to cut yeah, you off, too. Yeah. We're going to move on to another question here. But, but to your point, I mean, if you even go deeper into his numbers, his – um, his ability to control the zone last year, yep. I know it was a, sh- uh, a very small sample size, but it was like in the same conversation, the same type of level as a Joey Votto. I mean, yeah. it was that his eye was that good. And so, you know, if he can, for me, if he can a hit lefties like Callaway wants him to, but B, if he can figure out when is the time to, to maybe be a little more aggressive and, and pounce on some things, He's a really interesting guy for the future for me. I think, you know, Sarah said, of the Athletics said he could profile to pre-injury Michael Brantley, maybe with a little less power. I think all Mets fans would, would definitely take that. Um, yep. Orange and Blue thinks Season 2 is talking live with Steve Gelbs. Um, let's have you play prognosticator a little bit. Um, we'll ask you a few questions. You give us your best prediction for 2018, and we'll write them down and absolutely not break this out at all when they prove to be an <laughs> no, of course. Okay. Of course right, not. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we talked about leadoff. Who is the Mets' opening day leadoff hitter? Um, so what? They've got the Cardinals. It'll be Martinez. That'll be a righty. So Nimmo. I, I think Nimmo will think be the Nimmo? leadoff hitter. Okay. But whoever, it'll be Nimmo or Ligaris. That's, I mean, I guess technically it could be Todd Frazier, but whoever's playing center, you I think, think You think game. definitely Ligaris against, um, against lefties? You think they'll put him up there at one? Yeah, I think so. More so because I just, they don't have another option. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like that. that's more, unless they go the Frazier or Cabrera route until Conforto's back. I think it's Juan and, and Nimmo. Okay. So, uh, do you think this is the team that we're going to see on opening day? You know, we're hearing a lot about pitching. Do you think Sandy makes another move before, uh, we get the season actually started? I do. I, I think, I mean, listen, um, you got a couple of guys that have gone off the board in the last week or so. Kashner went off the board today. I do think he'll add another arm. I think, you know, maybe a Vargas or a Garcia, um, I don't see them going after a, a Lynn or a Cobb unless those prices really drop down more so because of, of everything that's attached to those guys too. And, and I think, you know, I was having a conversation with one Mets official the other day and he made an interesting point. He said, you know, as long as the, the market kind of stays this way where guys are still out there, 
we can gather as much info on our own guys before making a decision. So you can kind of understand that point of view where if they don't have to make the signing yet, if they don't have to make the move yet, they might as well play it out and see where their starters are at. Um, you know, that doesn't guarantee anything during the course of the season, but I can understand that viewpoint. This happened right before we went on the air, Steve. Uh, Blue Jays and Jaime Garcia on a one-year, oh, $8 million deal. So, But I think Jason Vargas is, is yeah. the direction we're probably So now headed. you wonder, though, as these pitchers are starting to fall, maybe the Mets do jump in. You know what yeah. I mean? Maybe – Maybe now that those guys are coming down, maybe they jump in on a, uh, on also, a Vargas. Also, it's an interesting baseline for the top two guys that are still out there in Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb because if yep. Jaime got one year eight, you're starting to see, okay, maybe five, six million dollars more. Is that how much you have to go to maybe get one of those guys to pencil in three in the rotation? Um, do we see David Wright on the field this season? I mean, that's such a tough one. I, you know, listen, I if, you, if I have to answer yes or no, I probably lean – no right now but just because we we're we're gonna have to see i mean you have to go just based on what you've seen recently he's coming back from so many different things uh we're gonna talk to him on saturday so we'll have a better indication of where he's at uh this weekend but it's just it's one of those things where if anybody's going to do it it's going to be him but if i have to answer yes or no right now i'd probably lean more towards the negative so it's going to be a really, really tough one to predict this next question. I mean, not only, you know, we're going to get to an even harder one after that, but come the trade deadline, uh, what do you see this team being, buyers or sellers? If you could predict what's going to happen I, I, in no, July. I, I think they're going to be buyers. I think, they've done, I think they've done enough to be right there. You know, if you add a pitcher, I really think then they've, they've put themselves over the top where they're a legitimate playoff contender. Right now, though, they're they're close enough that as long as things don't implode, as long as you have Noah and Jake at the top of the rotation and one of those other guys just gives you something, I think they'll be right there to the point where it might be worth pushing. And so I would say they're going to be buyers at this point in time, um, and that's that's before – potentially signing a pitcher, which I do think they will end up doing. All right, last one. This is, Darren said, this is the hard one. <laughs> and, and we're going to hold you to this one, actually. Yeah, well, what do I get if I get this one right? I mean, uh, I don't know. Because you said you're going to let it go. I'll, I'll, buy, I'll, I'll give you the money back for those headphones. All right, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm saving the receipt. All right. I'm in. How, many, how many teams this game win in 2018? How many games? Yeah. How many teams? Sorry, we're drinking. Uh, yeah, how many games <laughs> does this team win in 2018? Uh, they win Jerk. 87. 87. How about that? Okay. All right, we're writing it down. But that 87 was, I think that's what the Rockies got into the playoffs with last year. So let's go 87. I think they're they're hovering right there. They make a trade at the deadline that that gets them a little a little further, and uh, and they're right there for the wild card. I was gonna say, that's, does that get them a wild card or no? They're right there. I I think I think they're right there. It's tough. To, right. to say right. yes or no definitively, but I think you're looking at meaningful September baseball. All Let's right. put it that way. Well, we would certainly yeah. take that, I think. <laughs> Before we let you go, though, Brian and I talked about this. I think it was maybe uh, episode one of this year's uh, season for our Orange and Blue thing. Uh, we were really excited to see you you and the team, the SNY team, go down to uh, DR. And you did yeah. a whole thing with um, – with Familia and the and the, can you tell us about that? What, yeah, what, what yeah. is the, so, is it going to be like an actual piece? Yeah, it's going to be a half hour special that's going to air. 
I, I think we're shooting for the day before opening day. We're going to do on SNY this big 24-hour run-up to opening day, all Mets programming. So I, I think the goal is to have it air in that, <clears throat> pardon me, in that time slot. Uh, you know, it was one of these things that I, I was – all last season I was sitting there thinking to myself, what can I do in the offseason that, that is impactful? What type of story can I do? And I threw a bunch of different ideas out, but it was actually um, John Rico who said, you know, if you've never been to the Dominican Republic – uh, and you've never seen how these guys grow up and and what really pushes them to get to this level, uh, it's worthwhile to go down and see it. And I think, listen, the piece, I'm really happy with how it's coming along. I think it's going to be really, really um, something that fans will enjoy and that'll that'll open up your eyes. But even if it was terrible, on a personal level, it has totally changed my perspective on things. I mean, I, I know... You guys probably saw what we did with, with Familia. We've released kind of bits and pieces of this. We visited the home of Familia. We visited uh, Rosario. We were at the Mets um, Academy down there, which is really it's spectacular down there. But you see where Familia grew up, and it was – I mean, it, it's it's a, a small shack where seven people grew up. The bathroom was a hole in the backyard. And, you know, these these guys, they, they are pushed to – get to the big leagues, not just because they have an obsession with baseball and they do down there. I mean, the, the culture is crazy for it, but because it's a way out and it's a way out, not just for them, but it's a way out for their families. And so, you know, familiar, you'll, you'll hear his story when, when this thing airs, but I mean, his mother, we talked to her and she got very emotional because she wouldn't be alive right now. If it wasn't for him, she had a heart procedure that, that she wouldn't have been able to afford when he was in double a that he paid for. And he, he built this whole house for like 11 family members down there and he paid for his dad's hip surgery. I mean, it's, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever witnessed. And I'm really excited to kind of share it with, with everybody because it's, it's an eye opener. Well, you did a great job selling it just now. Hopefully, SMY yeah, is watching. Uh, not to completely change the subject, but something's coming yeah. up in the comments a lot, and actually a couple of tweets as well yesterday. How many times do you get um, mistaken for the guy from Orange is the New Black? Oh, my. Dude. <laughs> I, I mean, more, hold on. So it's, it's more than I can tell you. I always know when a new season is released because one day I'll just be on Twitter and there'll be like 150 – comments of side by side like oh my god steve gubbs looks like this guy um <laughs> so i know oh, must be a new season that's come out and people are watching but sny sometimes we have these spectacular new offices and because they're so nice sometimes uh movies or shows come in and they they'll shoot like a, a news scene in in our studio you know they'll need a studio and they'll shoot in our studio and I found out that during the winter, he was in there shooting an episode, and nobody, everybody was like taking pictures and sending them to me, and nobody went up and approached him and was like, "Hey, we got to get you two in a room together." Yeah, which I thought oh was a God. huge fail on their part. You ever take photo like you're in Starbucks? Someone comes up to you, thinks think that you're no, him. No, nobody's or? done. No, nobody's done that. But, uh, <laughs> Not yet. It's a lot on a lot on Twitter. All right, Steve. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. We look forward to uh, catching everything hot stove live from Duffy's uh, next week, right? Yeah, you got it, guys. A week Excellent. from tonight, and uh, and then we'll see you. Friday bowling, for bowling, yeah. Bowling Friday. All awesome. Right. I'm, all right. I mean, I just had surgery, but I'll at least, uh, I'll at least push the ball down. All right. And, Steve, uh, let's go Islanders tonight, right? Uh, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> SNY Steve Gelbs hanging out with us. Thanks so much, man. See you later, guys. All right, so there we go. 87 wins for the Mets. That's how many teams they're going to beat, apparently, according to the drunkie over <laughs> how here. How many teams? What would you say? 
I made one mistake. I, I, I no, you're great. You're I phenomenal. Teams and games, man. You're how great, many, Brian. How many you teams let you. when you set the bar How many high? teams will the Mets win next year? How many, te- <laughs> how many teams will this game that's win next year? That's a valid question, year? though. That's, yeah. that's fair. How many teams will they win? I like Steve, man. And you know what? He awesome. hit the nail on the head with the whole, like, you can't fill someone else's shoes as far as KB is concerned. No. KB's KB and Steve, Steve, and uh, I think he's coming to his own. I, we didn't get, you know, we didn't chat with him about it. But, like, first year we were in Pittsburgh. And uh, after he was done with his duties at the game, I was like, oh, dude, come to the bar. Like, yeah. just throw yourselves in with the group and come say what's up. And he did. And everyone's like, you know, it's over. It's no Good more team. like comparison, Steve or KB, KB, Steve. It's no. just he's Steve, you know. It's the hardest thing in the world to, like I said, make this look easy. Even what we do, it's difficult to make look easy. And like you say, you, you, we you, do a good you job. Mis- out of you though. misspeak and you feel like an idiot, right? <laughs> you know, so. So what, but I speak every week. What he does on, and you on know, a different a level. Huge screw up here on the screen. Mm-hmm. I have the wrong date. Yeah, well, whatever. It says the 16th. Well, it's almost oh, the 16th. it's the 15th. No shit. It <laughs> says the 16th on the screen. Well, you're only five hours away from being right. Oh, so. good. If you watch us tomorrow, it's actually going to be right. So uh, if you want to call us, no one wanted to talk to Steve for whatever reason. Last year, last Maybe year. it's because we kept him on the phone for like 35 minutes. Yeah, that's, but that's cool, guys, though. that was a great interview. Well, thank you. Thank I thought you. it was pretty good. No, I thought it was uh, If you do want to call, chat with Lizzie and then with us, 631-388-5195 is the number to call. We still have a bunch of topics to get to. We should satiate some of the fans. Thirst. Satiate. Yes. What does that mean? It means to quench. Like quench. we should. We should. I'm learn- I learned so many words. We should out with satiate you. the fans. I'm thirst. satiating myself for- on this nice brewski that someone doesn't pay us to drink for some for <laughs> some for some video from Port St. Lucie and show. Hell yeah! Let me show, satiate. Show the humanoids their sa- their their bullpen. Look here, at this satiation. Is that the right word? Which is which is no. Which is the right? Which is the right handed? Which is the right handed bullpen arms of uh, Anthony Swarzak, Jerry's familia, and AJ Ramos, uh, courtesy of our buddy Anthony Decomo from MLB.com. I, you know, I gotta say, man, uh, just seeing these and like Steve said, the efficiency with the, that the bullpen's being thrown. These are that is on the, I believe that's on. Is that on the eight pack? I think that's on the eight pack. And like, when, if you've ever been down there, you you know what Steve is talking about. When it just seemed like the morning workout went on for. Ever, yeah, that was a that's a big difference. It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. So to see these guys throw and and see the bullpens and 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 the starters too get their side sessions in, get their bullpen sessions in very quickly, and get back and get out of dodge and rehydrate. I think that's going to make such a huge difference when it comes to the health. Absolutely, and let's talk about the health for a second because um, our buddy Gelbsy just said that uh, Noah's looking a little lean. So yeah, he actually tweeted today. Uh, Anthony DeComo at Anthony DeComo. Uh, you too can work out like Noah Syndergaard. A sampling of his off-season routine at the Soho Strength Lab. Turkish sit-ups, which I don't even know what that is. Landmine chest presses. TRX rows and single leg exercises. Syndergaard mostly avoided activities such as classic bench presses, squats, and pull-ups. Well, so that makes sense. There you go. Yeah, totally, totally makes sense. Uh, what are Turkish sit-ups? That's a good right. question. <laughs> That's a good question. I was surprised you didn't. Uh, well, it's like when they hold your knees or something, or is that? I, d- I don't know what Turkish sit-ups would be. Wait, I'm, I'm, what are the girl? Is there girl? Right no, girl push-ups is when like you're not girl, but whatever. When you're on your knees, easier. I don't want to be uh, the uh, assisted push-up. Okay, the <laughs> assisted push-up. There I'm not go. trying to be. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we don't want to be. Uh, we don't want to be. Where's Mike? I need a beer. Send the beer guy. So we do have a voicemail to stay on the whole. Pitching theme we got going on here tonight. 
So let's hear from Mr. Ben from Long Island that wants to talk about Dave Island. Hey guys, uh, Ben from Long Island, big fan of the show. Um, I want to talk about maybe Dave Island's effect on the bullpen. Everyone wants to talk about his impact that he might have on the starters, which is great. But, you know, working back to 2015 when he was with the Royals, he had Herrera and Davis and Holland. So he obviously knows how to deal with some power arms at the back part of the pen. And I was uh, wondering if you guys think his impact on that part of the pitching uh, staff might be a little understated because I think it might be even more important than his impact on the starting guys. I keep the great work, guys. Thanks. It's a great question and a great point and something that Tim Fitzpatrick touched on a little bit on the blog when he talked about Zach Wheeler. Um, we seem to forget sometimes that, you know, Dave Island was the guy that converted Wade Davis into a reliever and made him into a closer, a dominant closer at that. And I think that Ben has a great point in that the way these guys are going to go about and also too the way Mickey manages the expectations of saying he told us when he was on with us, look, I'm going to tell guys you're off tonight and that's not going to change. I don't care if I told Blevins that he's off tonight and Bryce Harper's coming up with the bases loaded and two out in the seventh. He's off. Sorry, somebody else has got to get the out. And I think that's not only good for a personal responsibility that some maybe a guy like Hansel Robles or a guy like Zach Wheeler or somebody says, look, I need to get this out. I need to get Harper out. I don't care that I'm not a lefty. I'm going to go do it. I think that's big to take on that responsibility. And I also think that's important to, again, avoid the burnout. So I do think Island will be really instrumental in, in, uh, in revamping the way the bullpen is utilized this year. I think not only that, like the whole thing with just a fresh, fresh something, fresh faces, fresh managers, I think it's just going to change everything. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I just, you know what it is like? I feel like spring training always feels like it gets to be a bit long, mm-hmm. but uh, now that March 29th is baseball for everyone, and yes. like you said, it's only a few days different, but it feels like a lot feels closer. Different. when it's Six uh, weeks from today. Exactly. Oh, I can't wait, man. I cannot wait. So we got another question here about Mr. Rosario. Hey, this is Wes from uh, Syracuse. Can I get a quick question about Matt Rosario? Here's what you do, uh, what to do if he turns out to be a, a big bust in the second year. Do you stick it out, or do you replace him with Jose Reyes? Uh, have a good one. Thanks. Oh. I mean, that's like what do you? What can you do? I, I mean, mean, I I don't it, think he's going to be a bust. I was going to say it would be a massive problem. Who came out yesterday and said that uh, they compare him to what was it? It's Mickey who said what he, he has, right. His talent is right on par with Francisco Lindor, which is massive praise because Francisco Lindor. I mean, and this this is the best shortstop in baseball, probably. So, uh, obviously, look, they have high expectations for him. He's one of the best prospects in baseball. If he if he busts, that's going to be a problem for the Mets because not only do they not really have a shortstop, because at this point in his career, Jose Reyes and his Drupal Cabrera are probably both not shortstops. Uh, Matt Reynolds is now a Washington National, so um, they don't have anybody except maybe by maybe they could bring up Luis Guillorme, who is uh, who's on the forty man, and put him at shortstop. Um, to really fill that void uh, because Rosario's defense is going to be instrumental in getting the pitchers out. And obviously, I think his offense um, is going to factor in huge. He's going to make that bottom of the order much, much better if he can contribute and control the strike zone. So, if, But if he, if he ends up being a bust, it's going to be a problem. Absolutely. We do have Herman on the line, or Herman, Hermine, Herman, from uh, Waterbury, Connecticut. The actual, we usually ask Lizzie to write down what the question is. There is no question. He just wants to give us props. So we got to put him through, right? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, so what's up, Herman? Uh, Darren, 
guys, how are you? What's up, What's up buddy? Not too bad, buddy. And this is the, anno- the most annoying guy from Connecticut you're ever going to meet. That's <laughs> a little story. <laughs> I grew up 108th and 41st, right at the, at the shadow of Shea Stadium. Went to Westchester and then up in Connecticut. Don't even ask me how. The only thing I want to tell you guys is I've been watching your show for a while. And, Darren, I told you this last night, man. I cannot believe how far you've become from wearing a damn Jose Reyes T-shirt. <laughs> it is, I'm telling you, I, should, I tell everybody, this is one of the stories that you got to see that only happens in New York. Well, right? that... the, only thing I want, the only thing I want to tell you guys is that I truly believe within the next five years, you guys are going to have your own show, and I think why. There's no reason why not. We appreciate that. We'll we see. Really we'll do. see. I, I mean, look. It's that, <laughs> thank you, though. I appreciate the, you, all the kind words. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank, thank you mean, so much. And it's it's great to hear that you've been listening for a while. We value you as much as you value us. So uh, you know, we really appreciate it. We wouldn't if we didn't have you listening and people like you that listen and watch every single week. We would just be two idiots just sitting here <laughs> talking to each other. So we really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. And let me tell you one thing, Darren. I met you four times. And the way you're going to remember is last year I was hanging out with Shirt Man, Alan Kruger, down in Fort St. Lucie. And we walked up to you when you were there with the whole team. Oh, the, the, the guy that lives down there, he wears like the, like the, uh, like the he, Tommy he, Bahama he shirts, shirts, right? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, Alan. He's the craziest, most loyal fan you're going to meet in Florida. <laughs> I tell you that from a, I know the guy personally. And we were down there with my daughter, and um, we actually ended up going to the first game with you guys against the Yankees, me and my wife. And the one thing we remember is, I forgot the girl's name in the truck was obsessed with her nose. Uh, Becca. Oh, Becca. Becca. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was just telling people to, uh, she was pissed off because we had the Yankee fan on the, on the, uh, with the seat. So was I. And then the guy behind me, um, the guy behind me was so goddamn loud that I got home with a damn headache. But I got to tell you, we had a fantastic time. We had a blast. My wife just became a Mets fan two years ago. Woohoo! Yeah, I converted her from a Yankee fan. She's going to kill me because I said that. <laughs> and I got to tell you, we're going to try to make it next Saturday. We didn't get tickets from you guys because of the school situation up here in Connecticut, which is retarded. But we're going to try to see you guys next Saturday, and hopefully we can catch the game together. Man. Awesome. But I can't wait. I can't wait to hang, man. Thank you so That's much for the call. I, I appreciate what you guys have done, not only for yourselves, but for the team. And for the fans, and the fact that now everybody around the world, because of what you guys did in San Diego a few years ago, knows who the Mets are. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, man. Thank all you. time Appreciate call. It. Best call we ever had. There you go. Thank you so See, much. All you, got, all you have to do is compliment us, and you're the best call you ever had. No, that was great. That We really appreciate that. So we got one more voicemail before we get out of here, right? That's so the reason why it said props to you guys, because he was like, tell me all these things. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Just wait till you talk to we them. We do have another call coming in. We'll have them play uh, What's in the Box, whoever's go. calling right now. Uh, so we got one more here from the UK again. This is awesome. Back to back weeks from the UK. Nice. Hi guys, this is uh, Peter from the UK. I was inspired to call by your UK caller last week, Alex, who actually is my son. Mm. Whole family, big Mets fans over here. Love the show. Listened since episode one, mostly on replay because of the time difference. Two part questions. I think it's been a great off season, but do you believe we can really top the Nats and win the NL East? Second part. We've got a great. We've got eight pitchers in uh, our potentially in our rotation. Who's in, and where do the other three go? Thanks very much. Let's go, Mets. It's a great question, and Peter, thanks. Well, for who calling are the eight in. pitchers? Uh, 
the eight are would obviously be the five. So it would be Syndergaard, DeGrom, uh, Harvey, Mats, Wheeler, Wheeler, Lugo, Gesellman, and I assume Montero? I guess. So um, I think that you're probably going to see the five guys that I named up top. Um, four of those are definitely in. I would say that that uh, Noah, Jake, uh, Harvey, and Mats are definitely in the rotation. I would give the, the odds-on favorite for the fifth spot to Seth Lugo, actually. Um, and I think that Wheeler might end up being the sixth guy. I think Gaselman's future is a short-term reliever. Uh, his splits are, are so bad once he gets through the second time in the order. The third time in the order has really been a challenge for him. Unless he can conquer that, I don't see how he can start every fifth day. Um, I think that Montero will probably start his AAA depth. Um, and I think you'll probably see. So I could see. So weird how long we've been waiting for Montero to to blossom. But you know what? You know? Uh, I, I saw Matt Cerrone wrote that uh, Mickey was very hands on with him about grips and everything today. Who knows? You never know who could emerge. And Dave is Matt Island down said there? that. Matt's yeah, there he right is. Now? He just got there today. And uh, you never know who could emerge. Dave Island said that too. You're going to see somebody jump out. He actually uh, included Corey Oswalt in that mix too. So he could be somebody that's he's on the 40 man roster. He could get involved too. A lot of interesting options for the Mets. Let's just say that if we're worried about who's well, taking his first these question jobs, was, can we win the East? If it, the five are the five that we've been waiting for for like three years, then of course, then of course, of course, Why of not? course. You know, uh, look at the Na- I'll just briefly say on the Nationals, a lot, a lot, a lot of very surprising seasons. Geo had a better season war wise than his Cy Young season. Matt Albers was worth over two wins last year. Obviously, you know the deal with Murphy, and Mike Murphy's coming over, uh, coming off microfracture surgery in his knee. Uh, it's probably going to definitely hurt his defense even more than it Matt is. Matt Reynolds a national now? Matt Reynolds now is Now he's going to be an all-star? But Yeah, well, you never know. But, you know, <laughs> Anthony Rendon, uh, you know, he's had coming off another big year. So, look, there's a lot of chance for regression, and they have a new manager too. So a lot of difference in, over in Washington. Who knows? The rest of the division's not really trying yet. Um Look, who knows? Before Maybe. we move on, can you explain a little bit here? Because I'm in the minority here, too, on people who understand how this whole thing works. Maybe you can shed some light. Okay. Uh, Wheeler was like the only guy that held out and went to arbitration. Who is this hearing with? And yeah, how does that work? Like, who are you pleading your case to? An independent arbit- uh, arbitrator. So basically like a judge, an arbitration judge. Uh, the team has a case. You have a case. The team. It's. It can sometimes be very contentious because the team's – uh, goal is to not pay you what you're asking for, and they want to pay you less. Um, and the player wants more. And there have been players who have come out of arbitration in tears, you know, because the team has to make a case that you're not worth it. Did you see the thing today? Was it Stroman, Long Island guy? Yeah. He said, like, you can't take some things back, like the things that the team said in yeah. the room, and, like, you, and you're going to feel differently after that. Of course. And then there are other guys like Mookie I Betts. I think it was Stroman. I, I don't know. And I think, Mookie, I Mookie Betts came out the other day and said, hey, look, it's just business. Nothing's changed. No, no, no worries. No worries, guys. So, you know. Uh, I think it depends on the personality, depends on the person, depends on the case. But Wheeler won. Against you. Uh, but Wheeler did win his case. So, so 1.6 or something, 1.9. Yeah, good for him. He's, look, I would love to pay him more next year. I'd love to see the Mets paying him 4 or $5 because that means he, he had a good season. So I don't know about that beard, though. Well, look, who knows? It looks all right. Maybe it's his thing. Yeah, maybe. 
We'll see. Uh, we're not going to touch on it now, but if you want to see, there was a piece that came out, that, well, an, a, a thing that came out this week, and I think was it Fitz that wrote about it. Uh, Wheeler has been giving himself injections in his well, stomach. Well, not himself. He's been it's, getting them, right? Uh, the way it was written, it looked like he was like giving it to himself. I don't think he's giving like, it himself. I think he's get, just receiving Every day? Injections. Where does he go every day for an injection? I have no idea. Maybe they. Maybe he does inject himself. I think well, he injects you're himself. You're close with Zach. You know Zach. I should text him. You should let, yeah, let find out. Let's find out. It's but, a, oh, he's been receiving. Receiving, yeah. So he's been getting them. I assume they're administered by a medical professional. I don't know. Maybe he. Just, I don't know. I didn't know if it was. But like, I don't know. Sometimes, like you know, girls have to shoot themselves with those. Uh, those if they have like um, IVF or whatever, they have to with those hormone drugs or whatever. And I know that some people struggle with that. So anyway, I don't know. we'll maybe, do it two maybe, weeks. Maybe in he the, does. Maybe he does have to inject himself. Two weeks in a row. Shout out to Tim Fitz. You should follow him on Twitter, probably at Tim. J. A lot of people did follow him on Twitter. Did they? They should. They should. Great Tim, follow. Tim is a great So guy. we are going to get to everyone's favorite. <laughs> That's our weekly Tim is a great guy <laughs> slot. Tim, you're the man. Uh, everyone's favorite, favorite game show, at least on this side of the room, uh, What's in the Box. But we are going to do the share contest afterwards as well. So share the show right now. Tell your friends you're watching Orange and Blue Thing, the number one digital show for the Mets in the world. Uh, let's get – oh, actually, let's play the music. Music first, right? That's what number one. All right. Here we go. We got another week of What's in the Box where everybody calls me a stick in the mud, and I'm really not all that concerned. We have John from Kingston, New York on the line. John, what's happening, man? Hey, guys. How you doing? We're, uh, we're, we're wonderful. Good. All right. The, Darren wants to know, John, are you dancing? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. What was that? Uh, are, are you, you dancing, dancing, John, or what? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a big Mets fan. No, no, yeah. no, no. Are, right, you, are well, you dancing? Let's go with that. All right. All right, John. One, two, three, or four. While Darren gets down with his bad self, what would you like? One, two, three, or four? We're going to go three. Three. It's a popular selection. Oh, we've been saying We talked about this before the yeah. show. No one ever picks one or four. We've had one and four for the whole season. Yes. All right. It is. Oh. John, what? Do, you have, do you have young kids? Yes, I do. I have a nine-month-old boy. Well, this is perfect because this is a 12-month-old size uh, uh, kids' T-shirt with the Apple Unisphere logo on it. So we will get that out for your nine-month-old boy right away. Stay on the line. Don't hang up. We'll get your address. Yeah, Lizzie's going to get your address, and we'll get that right out to you, man. Thanks for calling. Thanks for playing. Thanks for watching. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, buddy. Look at that. See how the universe just works out like that? I bet you his son fits perfectly in that. I have. Yeah, it's gonna be hey, it's gonna be great because I'm gonna take him to the game. Oh, sorry, you get some off now, huh? Awesome. Later, man. All right, later, John. All right, but All I, right. I didn't do any dancing. Dance away, dance away, D- indulge. You know what? I'm trying to think of like new moves. I've been seeing yeah. like the kids got the hot new dance. Doing the moves. dice thing a lot. No, nah, not the dice. They... Oh, sorry. I think I think we're still. <laughs> Lizzie just said we're still in line. Um, I gotta brush up some dance moves. Maybe I'll think of something new for next week. Right, but well, I would love. What's your bar again? You said only if we win the World Series. Yeah, if we win the World Series, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's on. gonna be crazy it's gonna be here. on in here. Yeah, it's gonna be. <laughs> <nuts>. <laughs> All right, so uh, we are gonna get to our share contest. If you haven't shared the show yet, you have like a second. Uh, tell your friends about the show. Just a reminder: tomorrow, uh, Mets.com slash the Seven Line Army. If you go to the Seven you can see all the details about our schedule for the year. Updated some information today about Miami. Uh, the seats are locked in. We have over 1,200 tickets to Miami. Uh, they're down the right field line. Those, those will not go up yet. The tickets for the away games, 
People ask all the time. They typically typically go up two to three months prior uh, to the outing, so stay tuned for that. But we updated a bunch of stuff. Tomorrow at noon Eastern, uh, the game against the Cubs goes up. Uh, 77 bucks. It is batting practice pullover giveaway day for the first 15,000 people through the gates. It also includes the 2018 T7LA jersey in your size of small through 4X, so make sure you double-check before you check out because we cannot change that after the fact. And uh, anything you need to know, go to the7line.com. If, if uh, you have a question that isn't on the website, scroll down to the bottom where it says contact. It goes right to me and Lizzie, and we'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. So, uh, buddy. Before, before, before we, I get the share winner okay. here, just tell me to stop. Uh, okay, stop. Okay. All right, so I'll get that cured up. Um, I just want to know. What happened with the Yankees today? I heard that uh, they're soft again. Well, that was yesterday. I talked to my okay. buddy Nick. The guy, the, the rep is great. You yeah, know, rep like is the great. rep is just doing his job. But right. basically, last but the year, Yankees in general, they're soft, they're sloppy. I guess. I mean, listen, if the Red Sox can find 1,600, 1,600 tickets on the field level for us, how yeah. can the Yankees that have a ballpark that's like 55,000, they can't fit us anywhere? So what their argument or – Whatever, not argument, but what their answer was, they can find us tickets, but we're going to be spread out over like 10 sections, three rows per section, whatever. And I said, listen, if you end up being the guy or the gal or the family or whatever that is on section 10 at the end and you're kind of by yourself and you're not part of the crew, you feel like you bought a ticket to be with us, but you're not really with us. So I said, forget it. We're not coming. Uh, If you can find tickets for us, cool. If you can't, then I guess we're going to have to skip again so we won't be back at Yankee Stadium in 2018. I did mention to him, though, that sometimes these away teams like the Red Sox, who included a concession credit into our ticket, uh, which is $40. So we're basically pre-buying concessions, uh, drinks, food, beer, whatever you want to buy. And the Nationals do it as well. So $15 concession credit for the Nationals game as well. Uh, Why don't you guys do that? And maybe you could find a spot for us to sit because maybe it's just a bottom line thing for them. Like uh, we could sell these tickets anyway, but maybe you could sell the tickets and you could sell some beers and hot dogs and burgers. Hopefully they're grass fed and whatever. Right. to these Mets fans. So maybe they'll change their mind and call me back, but whatever. They, it's their tickets, their ballpark. They could do whatever they want. But. All right. Well, congratulations to Courtney <laughs> Lehman. She won our share contest. Courtney, we'll be sending you a message on Facebook, on the old Facebook. and uh, On the good old we'll FB. We'll get you digits. Thanks for so, sharing uh, the show. On a programming note, we will be uh, live next Wednesday instead of next Thursday. Are you free? Are you to be here? Yes. Okay, so next Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Eastern. I don't even know what date that is because I didn't even know what date today is. But next Wednesday night, what date? What, what's the date on that? Anyone want to find out? <laughs> it's, add six. To, <laughs> it's the 21st, right? Yeah. Uh, Wednesday the 21st. We'll be back live here on Facebook, 6 p.m. Eastern. If you listen afterwards, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all that stuff. Just search Mets, the seven line, orange and blue thing, whatever. We'll show up. We're, we're going to be number one on all those charts. So thank you guys for downloading the show afterwards. We totally appreciate it. If you can watch the show live, it's always a, a great time, or we think it's a great time, and we appreciate everything. And uh, just like Herman said, or Herman, um, we we couldn't do it without you guys, and we'd just be talking to ourselves. So thank you guys each week for tuning in with us. Indeed. Thanks for Steve Gelbs for jumping on with us tonight. We will Thanks see for Lizzie you. behind the glass yes, here. Yes, as always, Lizzie doing a bang-up job and over Keith there. And Keith afterwards. We will be back with you next Wednesday night. See you later, guys. Later, guys. Let's go Mets.